You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. And so we're back in campaign season in Napa. It seems like just yesterday we were electing members of the college board and the city council. This time around, we're in the midst of a presidential primary. But the fact is that for the most part, paying attention to national politics is at best a hobby. It's a form of entertainment or sport. What really matters, what really constitutes politics, is what happens at the local level right here in our communities. This March 3rd, that means our local Board of Supervisors race is front and center. Joining me today is the incumbent supervisor for the 5th District, Bilia Ramos, a district which represents American Canyon, a slice of the city of Napa and Coombsville. And it is my pleasure, as always, to welcome Bilia here to Napa Broadcasting. Bilia, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. Well, it's always great to have you here. Uh, four years you've been on the board, done the job for almost four years now. Talk a little bit about the experience of it, what you learned from it. Was it what you expected? Was it different than what you expected? How are you approaching it now, different than uh, you approached it when you first got on the board four years ago? You know, it's uh, it's been a tremendous um, time of, of personal and professional growth. Uh, there is a written manual that the county has of, of what a supervisor does, um, but that written manual had to be tossed out on the very first day. On our very first day, um, I took my oath and January 8th, and we closed the floodgates and we had $40 million of road repair on the first day on the job. Um, and really the, that first year, you know, we had, we had so many challenges at, at the county when you look at, at disasters alone from, from floods and then the fires in October 2017. I was chair of the board during that first year. Um, I took over in April of 2017 and and was at, at the helm of the board during some of our most difficult times. And so when I reflected back on, it was January 1st of 2018, I'm, I'm not chair anymore. I I looked up and I, I say, what just happened? It was, um, it was a, it was an opportunity to really, um, to, redefine you know what what a supervisor does and what I've really learned during that time is we touch people's lives and we are the guardians of the quality of life for all of us here in Napa County and when push comes to shove when things get tough we're the safety net we're the safety net for our most vulnerable each and every single day through our constitutional charges of taking care of health and human services and our correctional clients. But when things get really difficult, when you have that disaster and you want to know if you're safe, it's your county board of supervisors that is responsible for providing that leadership, that information that you need to make the best decisions possible and providing for our public safety. I think this, this term, um, of, of now three years into into my first term, that's what I've really learned, that, that it's, it's touching people's lives each and every day. The job is so much more than my predecessor, Keith Codwell, ever told me it would be. <laughs> um, there, there are times that I've, I've called him and I've, I've, I've said, uh, walk me through this, tell me what I need to know about a certain area or a certain issue. 
Um, and it's it's a continual learning learning process um, of engaging with residents and understanding what what matters to them and what impacts their quality of life and and turning that into advocacy and issues that we can address at the county level. I know this came up in one or maybe more of the forums is that, that there's a perception, I suppose, in the community, and it's because it's the thing that gets the most attention that really land use is job one in terms of the Board of Supervisors. But there is more to it than that. There's more that falls on, on your plate. Talk about that. Absolutely. I, I'm the one that said it. I, I said that um, I can't help what the register decides to write about, and mostly it is land use. And and for a very good reason, and that is that the level of engagement from our citizenry is really high when it comes to land use. Um, but our, our biggest responsibility is health and human services. When we look at providing for our most vulnerable, whether it's alcohol and drug rehabilitative services, mental health services, self-sufficiency, child welfare, and then you turn over to the correctional services that we offer, whether it's through the district attorney's office, the sheriff, the public defender, probation, and county fire, um, those two portions of what we do are tremendous. And then there's you know the ever-present roads, right? The public work side of, of, of things. Um, and that's all comes before we even get to land use. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a job that requires a, a multifaceted way of thinking about how we impact people's lives, how we raise our collective quality of life for everyone. Uh, just yesterday, I was in the South Imola neighborhood, and I can tell you, you know, the issues that come up with residents, they're different based upon what their own experiences are, right? That's what, that's what influences um, our, our opinions and our concerns. And there's a deep concern for what are we doing about homelessness? Uh, why? Because in that area, they, they see what's happening along the river, and, and they see our transient population, and they have a deep concern for, for residents and, and for, for safety over. Overall. So it's a matter of looking at all of the issues, prioritizing it. Um, but, um, you know, the coolest part about this job is not one day is the same. Not one day. In terms of some of those other areas with respect to traffic and health and human services and, and the other areas that are outside land use, and we'll, we'll get back to that, what are the policy issues that really are debated at this point. I mean, certainly on the land use side, and as I say, we'll come back to that, there are differences of opinion, differences of approaches with respect to wineries and, and ag and everything else. What are the issues that, that really are, I won't say controversial, but at least debatable from a policy perspective in some of those other areas? You know, um, one, of the, uh, one of the things is, you know, when we look at traffic, you know, and, and is this a capacity increasing moment for us or is it a, a system improvement moment for us? And so it's a balance of looking at how are we going to provide for emergency access, in, especially in the South County in the 5th District, but also looking at intersection improvements and overall mobility. The truth is, you know, the widening of Highway 29 Getting the funding for that is 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 going to be challenging for sure. And while the city of American Canyon has its Broadway specific plan to make improvements through that corridor, the most the most important improvements that we can make are providing a 
Parallel Road emergency access through the completion of Devlin Road and then eventually Newell Road. Um, that was a really high priority for me when I came to the board in 2016. I actually set a goal and I said I wanted to build the county's portion of Devlin Road. It was segment E over Fagan Creek. And that money was uh, dependent on development, right? That's how we get these these improvement dollars. And with the failure of the South Kelly Light, every time there was a little bit of mist and we'd get stuck in that one day that I, I, I screenshotted my Waze map and it said it was going to take me an hour and 56 minutes to get to work and I had to go to Solano County so that I could get to the Board of Supervisors. I, that was the day I said, no, no, the, it, it, the buck stops here. Um, and so I, I worked with, with staff, with my colleagues, explaining the importance of, of this parallel road system. And I'm so proud to say we'll be driving on it on March 2nd. Um, in one term, we, we've turned around and we've completed Devlin Road, a segment that the county's been talking about for decade. Um, completing the rest of Devlin Road is going to be um, a priority, and that's already agreed upon by even on the city side of things. So the next one is Newell, right? The next one is Newell, and as we look at, you know, if you look at the general plan, the general plan actually anticipates Newell Road from Donaldson Way up to South Kelly. That's already anticipated in there. And there is actually a provision in the general plan that talks about what would happen in terms of zoning, especially on that Hess parcel. Um, so that's going to be, you know, that's one of the next things up uh, policy wise. Uh, the other one is um, we've already, we just had this discussion of do we look at that airport road intersection at 29 as the highest priority the 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 flyover that you will that was talked about right. for ages now it's other things other than a flyover but it's still a problem but it's still a problem but of prioritizing what's more important and and by using data by using traffic modeling um we've arrived at the decision that the Soskal uh, ferry Road intersection of 29 is a higher priority, that that is one of our greatest bottlenecks. So those policy discussions on traffic are, are happening at NVTA. They happen um, when it comes to utilizing traffic impact fee dollars in that airport specific area. Um, and they're also happening at the regional level with MTC and um, and they were part of that South School that Soskal Ferry Road interchange was actually part of Regional Measure 3, um, $20 million earmarked for that project. So those policy-level discussions are happening. So that's traffic. So what's the next right. one you want well, to talk well, about? Well, I want, I want to stay in traffic for one second more because people never have enough of traffic, as, as you know, or are talking about or complaining about traffic. That the the And you made the point that it is a regional approach in so much of this, that it's not things that Napa, Napa County can do on its own. Absolutely. And, and part of that is, you know, we've, um, you know, I, I, I had the opportunity to really help um, carry the message when I was on the city council six years in American Canyon and now to the board and saying, we do not control the highway. That is a Caltrans controlled uh, corridor. 
But we have to work with Caltrans and explaining to Caltrans what's important for us as a community, um, how we're going to be forward facing to that highway, especially in that corridor of American Canyon, but to look at safety and, and mobility. And so this comes in conjunction with how do we increase bicycle safety, um, making sure that we complete the, the connections of the Vine Trail through Dublin Road and, and so we don't have um, additional fatalities like um, like our friend Paul Shapiro, um, making sure that we are looking at how we move platoons of cars and not really looking at just that time segment portion, but to actually use technology with synchronization, which will be deployed on the corridor this summer. Um, looking at all those regional approaches, looking at bringing the technology in, um, it's, it's what's going to help us not only move people, not only improve their quality of life so they're spending less time on, on the road, and less time on the road is also going to have a positive impact on our climate change goals. So putting all of this together, um, we're, we're, we're acting in an aspirational way, but we're also delivering in that way. Talk about all of this in the context of really three different three different areas that, that you represent as part of the 5th District. There's American Canyon, which is really the biggest part of the district. I don't know what the percentage is. 62. But certainly the largest part, the slice of the city of Napa, and then the unincorporated areas out in Coombsville, and how the needs of those areas are really different, and how do you balance those as, as the supervisor for that district? That's a great question. So the district is made up, 62% is the city of American Canyon, uh, 26 Six percent is um, city of Napa incorporated and 12 percent is unincorporated, which would be Jamison Canyon, that North Kelly area and out into Coombsville. You know, one of the, the things um, that's really important to keep in mind as as a supervisor is what our responsibility is, right? And, and it coming from the Constitution. But to also recognize that when it comes to the county unincorporated area, we're the only representative that the county unincorporated area has. They do not have a council to rely on and lean on. So that kind of changes, that influences the relationship, right? Um, at this, The great part is I, I have a great working relationship with both the city of American Canyon and the city of, of Napa. Both mayors have endorsed me and my reelection. We work together on those traffic issues, on those housing issues, those mutual interest issues. Um, so it's a little different when you get out into Coombsville, right? They don't call their city council and say, I have a pothole on 3rd Avenue. They call their county supervisor and they call her cell phone <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> and um, so making sure that um, that connection is strong with the unincorporated so that they know, one, what, what my role is, what the county function is in that area but to have those great working relationships. And so one of the things that I did um, early on was one of the greatest, greatest lessons I've ever had as an elected official, Jeff. We, I, I came to the county and what, like three weeks into the job, uh, we had speed surveys done that we needed to act upon. And so what the speed survey said was everyone was speeding in, in Coombsville. So we had to up the speed limits. So we did. It was just a, it's a, it's written in the vehicle code. It's what you have to do. And so we did it. And I met Coombsville at that moment. I met Coombsville, 
how passionate of a community is, how tightly knit they are, and how they're not afraid to tell me if I get something wrong. And uh, I was inundated, inundated with emails and phone calls about these speed limits and people basically saying, you know, you've created a highway on, on, on First Avenue. Um, so I set up a town hall and I brought in all the staff from engineering, from roads, um, from CEO's office, my own staff, and we sat there. And for two hours, it was actually one hour and 47 minutes, I let every person that wanted to speak, speak. And 92 people spoke. And they told me about every, what I, what I said to them, tell me what I don't know. Tell me what information I don't have that makes this new speed limit unsafe. And they provided me some of the greatest information, like our trash gets picked up on the opposite side of the street. Our mailboxes are on the opposite side of the street. One side of the street floods and we can't walk our children to Mount George on that side, so we have to go on the other side. Phenomenal information that then allowed us to take that data back to engineering and reassess the speed limits. Um, that's an issue that's never going to come up in American Canyon as a county supervisor. That's an issue that's not going to come up in the city of Napa. Nobody and, can go fast enough in American right. Canyon anyway. doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, Jeff. <laughs> True that. True. Not at four o'clock in the afternoon, that's for sure. Um, so that was a great uh, opportunity for me to understand those those differences that lie within the county and, and within the city jurisdictions. Um, and, and to also communicate to all the areas that I, that I represent, that I serve, um, how the county touches their, their lives. Um, you know, we need to continue to do a better job at the county of that. You know, of, it's more than just going to your library, right, and seeing the county seal, and that's how the county touches you. Um, and, and that's something that we've, we've committed to uh, through our strategic planning process of communicating with our community uh, throughout the entire county, of what the county offers. Talk about what you've learned, coming back to, to the learning curve again, with respect to what your job is as a supervisor versus what county staff does and how you interface with them and how you've had to come to, to understand who does what. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, it's, um, it's, you know, there's always that desire to get into the, the weeds, right, as as an elected, uh, you know, someone someone raises an issue and, and you want to get to work. That's kind of what, what drives us all to, to be in these positions. But the, the caliber of work that the county does, you know, we, we run a $518 million budget. The caliber of work that we do and the number of people that we serve is vast and, and at varied levels. And so the the relationship with, with staff is to really be a learner and understand uh, what staff knows, their specialty, and, and to take that in, internalize it, listen to your constituents, and then to make the policy decision that comes with acting upon that. And to be reminded, it's the policy decision. But there's another great, great aspect that I learned as a supervisor 
and it just spoke to my core. So I'm I'm a trained mediator. I in my in my prior life, uh, I say I'm a retired attorney, right? In my prior life, um, I I was an attorney, and I got a, a certification as as a mediator. I've left that behind because I'm a full time supervisor. Um, and what I have learned is that as a supervisor, we have the ability to step in as mediators. And that's one thing that I did. Um, I had the opportunity as chair to implement a new process through the land use um, area is when appeals come up to have a pre-hearing process, similar kind of to what happens at, at, at the court levels. Um, and we brought this about because there were these huge document dumps that were having that were happening the day before very Perry Mason style if you will um, and it really was creating uh, uncertainty in the process for not just the applicant but also those who were concerned in the project and ultimately appellants at the board level and so by creating a pre-hearing process we had clear expectations of when documents would be due what witnesses would be speaking and what that time frame was and that opportunity really opened my eyes that we're mediators too as supervisors right when when an applicant uh, from a land use perspective comes to us with concerns and the neighbors come to us they're all our constituents and so we have the ability to bring people together and so I, I did that. There was uh, the, the Caves at Soda Canyon was an appeal that was coming before the board. I got those people in the room and I said, we need to talk. We're, we're on different sides. And I had a great opportunity to work in, 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 that, um, in that project. Um, Flynnville was another one. As chair, I got to get the neighbors together, meeting with neighbors in their homes, understanding their concerns, but also meeting with the applicants and and reaching a compromise. And most recently um, with Codwell Vineyards, um, uh, a very uh, long process uh, for that applicant and meeting with the neighbors, meeting with the applicant and the neighbors over and over again to reach those resolutions. Supervisors are mediators. I didn't know that walking into the job. Is the process too long? Is it, does it put too great a burden on the applicant? I think the process is long. Um, I, you know, it's it's rooted certainly with with CEQA, right? And and it has that 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 protection of due process for the applicant. Um, but I think that we have um, made some changes that can uh, recently in our streamlining uh, process uh, that we approved last week. I think it was last week. These days are kind of blending right now. Forgive me. Um, and so really trying to create some more clarity in, in what is a major modification, what is a minor modification, and what is appropriate for the zoning administrator. So we've made some strides and to clarify that a bit, and I think we'll see improvements in the duration that applicants are going through. Um, the standards haven't changed, right? That's the important, the environmental standards that have to be met are still there. But it's a matter of, are you gonna go through a major modification for adding one employee? Not anymore. Right. That's one employee that the the impact um, the the impact is not sufficient enough to trigger that that higher level of review. What's been the most difficult decision that you've had to make on the board? I'm going to go with cannabis. I'm going to go with cannabis and I'm going to say. Because of Measure C, 
cannabis was an incredibly difficult decision. Um, and, and in the process, right, the process surrounding it. So um, as you know, when we get an initiative presented to us uh, by, by the elections division and it is certified, we've got a couple options. Adopt it as an ordinance, and it is inflexible at that moment. We may not change it, even if we adopt it as an ordinance. That's how it stays, written in stone. The other option is to um, put it straight on the ballot. And option three, which this county has always elected to do, is to order a 9111 report that weighs the pros and cons and impacts and assesses financial impact to the county of enforcement of such an ordinance. And then, 30 days after, put it on the ballot. We didn't, we ordered the 9111 with Measure C, and then we put it on the ballot. And I don't need to rehash what happened. We, we all know what happened there. Um, so here comes cannabis and here comes what was what supposed to be measure J. Um, and it's presented to, to us and we ordered the nine triple one report, an extensive nine triple one report comes back to us and we go ahead and put it on the ballot. Um, I was not, um, prepared, um, at any moment to to adopt an ordinance as the initiative was presented. Um, but then it got revoked. The initiative was revoked, pulled back. So it wasn't going to go on the ballot. And then, lo and behold, we have a permissive juris, we have a permissive code that allows you to do things, not proscribes things. So then the question came out, well, could the state of California issue cultivation permits and push them upon us for failure to act, given that we were a permissive code? So all of a sudden, here we are. Well, what, how do we protect the status quo? That was, that was the question. And so it was we, the best approach, because we had already uh, extended our time on a temporary moratorium, was to issue a permanent moratorium. Um, and I didn't have any problems doing that because we were maintaining the status quo. But it was, what do we do thereafter? That was difficult. Um, without a doubt, our, the voters of Napa County spoke on Proposition 64. And, but then you get into, well, what was Proposition 64? Were, were people voting for simply access? Or were they also voting for all the commercial uses of production, manufacturing, and cultivation that comes with that? I truly and to this day believe that access and cultivation invoke very different issues. Um, not just um, as noted in the 9111 report that we received back, but I think that even just the stakeholder groups are incredibly different. Right. When you are dealing with cross contamination, soil depletion, water use, setbacks on cultivation, you're not going to have those same discussions when it comes to access. Um, so I wanted to separate out access and cultivation uh, when we go out to do community outreach. Um, my colleagues disagreed. Uh, I found myself on the wrong side of a 4-1 um, for the first time. Uh, on the board. And um, it was, uh, th those days are difficult, right? Because you've got to make sure you're looking at, am, am I representing my district and my county as best possible? 
um, am I carrying out uh, policy-wise the, the, the direction and the input that I've been given? And I, I do believe that I, that I did. Are you surprised that you have opposition this time running for re-election? No, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, you know, I'm not a business-as-usual supervisor, Jeff. Um, I, I, I'm not. I never have been. Um, I pushed the envelope, um, and I've ruffled some feathers, and that's okay. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, it's important that when you, when you take these roles, that you do it for the right reasons, that you you carry the 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 empathy and and the concern for your constituents with you each and every day, and I've done that. Um, but I ask questions, and um, and I'm not afraid to ask questions, and I'm also not afraid to say when we need to do better, whether it's at the county or collectively as a region. Um, and so there have been those moments and, and there, there are a few, you know, measure C when you look at cannabis, um, when you look at uh, the project labor agreement that was before, um, the, the county on our jail, there are those points in time where you have to be bold because if you're not, then you're just doing things to maintain the status quo. And the status quo is not going to address our quality of life issues that we have here. I, I, I personally know what the squeeze is like on families. Um, we have lost 3% of our population. We're not going in the right direction. We have enrollment issues at our schools because families can't afford to live here. I can barely afford to live here. And I'm a county supervisor, right? I, I'm a renter. I have no prospect of being a homeowner in Napa County. I'm not. I'm not going to be okay with, let's do it like we've always done it. That's not me. And, and, and I, I commit that that won't be me. I want to stay on the subject of, of the controversial aspect for a moment because one of the things, and you know, endorsements are questionable in terms of how much value they have, and you have lots of great endorsements, and I'll give you an opportunity to talk about some of those. But on the other side, one of the strange things about this race is seeing both 2050 and the Farm Bureau, which are never on the same side, on the same side supporting your opponent. What, what do you make of that? What, what, what do you take away from that? You know, I take away that same um, skepticism that you, you just answered, that you just asked that question with, which is um, they are policy-wise on very different sides. Um, I, I certainly know where my votes have been. Um, the great part about being an incumbent, Jeff, I've got a track record. I've got a voting record. And I've got a voting record that is extensive on ag. And so you only need to go so far as how I voted on agricultural issues, on land use issues to know where I'm at. Um, so, uh, you know, interestingly enough, my votes are, are the same with the exception of the cannabis outreach vote. My votes are exactly the same as Supervisor Pedroza that was endorsed by the Napa County Farm Bureau. Um, so my vote speaks for themselves. That's for sure. Um, but. You know, being an incumbent is um, it, running as an as as an opposed incumbent. I'll say um, it makes you challenge yourself even more. 
right? Because you're you're at a different level because you have that voting record. Um, I'm incredibly proud of the record that I that I bring with me um, and that I can reference to and say, I am the only supervisor that goes from a board of supervisors meeting to picking grapes with her family in the family vineyard. I am the only supervisor um, that, you know, hops on with boots and, and gets on, on the tractor. Uh, I, I, can, I can do the Waymaster tags um, uh, during harvest. I have my children out there picking with us and de-leafing. They may be falling asleep the next day at school, but it's a valuable lesson because I, I as the daughter of farm workers, uh, my dad's still working in the vineyards, I can say, it is one of the most honorable professions, and um, I'm I'm raising my children to value farming to to they themselves identify themselves as farmers. And what do you think the biggest ag challenge that the county faces right now is? You know, um, one of the one of the tough parts is um, is how the industry is changing. When you look at the, um, I saw it was a it was a great. Uh, post on Instagram by Empathy Wines. And it was, it said uh, something like there's uh, the farmer, there's uh, the the winery, and then it has distribution and importing stricken through. Why? Because it's changed. You, if you if you're not if you're not a very large player in this, distribution's not an option for you. Uh, the exportation is is not an option for you. You are selling your own wine. And so how the industry has changed and how we as a county um, adjust for the survivability of our agricultural industry, of what will be our heritage as as a county, our legacy. Um, that is the biggest challenge before us because we've got to weigh that against our quality of life of our residents. Um, it they they have to coexist. They have to coexist. And how we make that happen, that's where the board of supervisors, that's where our leadership, our creativity comes to mind. Talk about how you see them coexisting, because a lot of issues surrounding quality of life and concern about how industry and the wine business impacts quality of life comes from people that were here for a long time, people that have seen it change. And their idea of quality of life is how it might have been in 1975 or 1985. So it's very hard to reconcile that perception of quality of life with the realities of, of 2020. You know, there. One of the things that 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 in striking balance we always need to think about is is progress and what does progress mean? And progress is the way I see it. They're not competing interests. It's a matter of how do we do things better. And at the end of the day, it's I truly believe people do not. Their, their concerns aren't with how many people are, in fact, visiting a winery or inside a winery, but they care about housing, and they care about traffic, and they care about water. Those are the three core issues that residents, that their quality of life concerns are founded upon. And so if we focus on those things, what are we doing about housing? Well, 
in this first term of mine, we have funded 329 affordable units of housing. Not nearly enough, not nearly enough to make up for all the years where this was not happening. But in 2019, we opened 149 homes in Napa County. That's tremendous for our working families, for seniors, for veterans, for disabled persons. Um, So making strides like that, that's how we achieve that balance of saying we're going to provide housing for our workforce, where we look at those creative solutions, whether it's through a development agreement process to uh, make sure that employee housing is 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 thought of and that it's not just an impact fee that's that's being paid towards a housing impact fund. Uh, making sure that when it comes to, to, to traffic, we're on schedule for later this year to adopt the county's traffic impact fee program, something we have never had. Um, something that I, I said when I got to the board, I said, we, we need to have a traffic impact fee program. Only the airport industrial area had a traffic impact fee program. Um, so looking at things, how are we going to address those issues that do arise through development, whether it's the current uses or future uses, to balance that, to mitigate it, but to challenge ourselves to actually make it better, not just mitigation, not just a zeroing out, to make it better. And we're going to do that by by challenging ourselves to think differently of how we're going to increase densities of housing, right? That's one way. Did you think SB 50 was a good idea? I didn't think that SB 50 um, could, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that in two, in two ways. If I put my regional hat on, I'm vice president of the association Bay area governments. If I put my regional hat on and I look at the region of the nine Bay area counties, Um, and the 101 cities uh, that elected me to that role, on balance, I think it works very well for many jurisdictions, especially those highly impacted jurisdictions that are creating a density of office space uh, in in Silicon Valley and San Mateo that that causes me pause. Um, But it wouldn't work for a rural county. We are the most rural county in the nine Bay Area County. Um, so not everything is going to work for everyone, but being at the table, being part of the, the CASA Compact process um, to, to say what housing means to me as someone who has suffered um, housing insecurity. Um, and, and I almost lost my seat on the city council because of my inability to find a place to rent when I became a single mom. Um, we need to challenge ourselves to think about it differently. So SB 50, it's, it's, it's gone. Doesn't mean that, that it's not going to come back. It may not be gone forever, but yeah, (laughs) it'll come back in an improved version, but we've got to look at being bold. And so much like we had measure I here at the County to provide to uh, earmark 1% of TOT for, for housing. We're looking at funding measures in the Bay Area and and possibly putting that on the ballot in November of 2020 because the homelessness that is inflicting the Bay Area, the housing affordability crisis and the housing supply crisis uh, 
that is affecting all nine Bay Area counties. We cannot solve it on a county by county basis. We cannot even solve it on our own. And so we need to be bold and 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 now's that time to start working together and to think beyond let me build a few units on this one vacant parcel. I mean it's years and years and years and years to make up for. Absolutely. I mean, and not just in the Bay Area. I mean, in California in general. And there was a story in Sacramento Bee today about how bad the homelessness problem is in Sacramento. It is. And, you know, and while, um, you know, we um, we just did our point in time count here at, at the county and we'll we'll have some numbers here coming up in, in about a month as all the data is sifted through to make sure we didn't double count anyone. While we anticipate our, our homeless and transient population to be um, s- stable, if you will, numbers wise, um, we need to think about homelessness differently and getting ahead of the curve here in Napa County. And, and that is to think about housing insecurity, not just who doesn't have a house, but who is one paycheck away from losing a house, right? And so looking at this cycle of it, we've, we've got we've to gotta do more. We've got to be better about transitional housing. We've got to be better about rapid rehousing. And we've, we know that. And so we made some changes at the county last year that I'm so proud of. Um, they were bold. Before housing used to kind of, and homeless services used to kind of be sprinkled about everywhere in, in the county. Um, and now they live under one department of the Department of Housing and Homeless Services. And that's really important because what we're saying is we're going to put housing first, right? We need to get a roof over everyone's head. And once we have that roof over their head, we'll address what's causing that cycle of homelessness. And we'll bring in those wraparound services and whether they are social or mental health services that are needed, or maybe they're just self-sufficiency services that are needed. Let's get the housing first. And this is the best practices model that we implemented um, in the last couple of years. And that transition to creating that Department of Housing and Homeless Services I'm telling you, it's a game changer for us. So now instead of you kind of had to know what was happening to figure out when the next affordable units were coming on board, that you're not going to have to wonder anymore. You're not going to have to go look and ask if it's going to be an affordable unit. We're going to have um, a clearinghouse, if you will, on, on, on the county's website that can tell you, here's how you apply for the different units. Here's other programs like the Workforce Proximity Down Payment Assistance Program, and, and, and here's how you apply for Section 8 vouchers, and, and we're, we're, we're getting after it. Well, I thank you so much for coming in, and I thank you for not seeming subdued and distracted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to address that, feel you free. Know, you know what? I'll tell you, um, one of the, the difficult parts um, of, of being a county supervisor is the heaviness of what we do. Um, you and I have had this discussion during the fires. And um, as I've said many times since that, since you and I spoke, it is really easy to be a supervisor when things are good. It is really easy being a supervisor to present a proclamation, to go to a ribbon cutting, to go to these nice dinners and, and congratulate people and meet people. It's wonderful. But the true test of a supervisor happens when things are not good, when things are rough, 
when you're being challenged to justify positions, votes, opinions, um, projects. That's the tough part. It's not easy to talk about homelessness with a smile. It's not easy uh, to talk about our degrading quality of life that, that, that people or our families are feeling the squeeze of. Uh, when, I, when I tell people, you know, I, I had to pay six months of rent in advance to get, to, to get housing back in 2013. You can't really do that with a smile, Jeff. Right. It's it's a well, tough I was, one. I was referring to, to the register. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah. So <laughs> it's you know it's um you know it's there are good there are good days there are tough days, um, but they are all wonderful when when it comes to being a supervisor. It has been a privilege to to serve for six years on the on the city council in American Canyon and, and to be finishing up my first term as a supervisor and um, to have the partnerships along the way and to have the, the confidence of people like Congressman Thompson, uh, both Mayor Teckle and Mayor Garcia, our assembly member, Cecilia Aguiar-Curry, and, and our sheriff, our district attorney, and many others to continue this. Um, the time to be bold is, is now. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to keep on working. Supervisor Belia Ramos, I thank you so much for coming in. Thanks so much, Chef. Controversy, fun, and conversation. All the things that radio used to be. NapaBroadcasting.com.